Right, we'd like to continue on uh, the series on trusting God. I hope you still remember, we are in this series on trusting God. And I'd like to just pick up from where we have left off, although uh, there were some uh, 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 certain weeks that I did not continue on the series because of special event. And uh, trusting God. Sorry, the word runs. Uh, the, 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 the first session we talk about, it all depends on who you depend on. And then we also talk about trusting God's guidance, what to do when you are not certain what to do. I think all the words are running out. I'm not sure uh, what's happening. I hope the coming slides do not run out. Mm. Okay. And you try to do something first? All right, uh, trusting God. We are on this uh, new series, and uh, uh, this is a very, very important subject. We think that uh, we all trust God, but many times, you know, we don't really understand what trusting the Lord really is. Okay, let's see. Ah, thank you very much. Let's give our AV team a big hand. Praise God. Oh, that's more like it. Thank you, thank you. And uh, for today, for the third session, uh, for the third in the series on trusting God, let me take my text from 1 Samuel chapter 14, verse 1 to verse 7. Bible here says, Now it happened one day that Jonathan the son of Saul said to the young man who bore his armor, Come, let us go over to the Philistines' garrison that is on the other side. But he did not tell his father. And Saul was sitting in the outskirts of Gibeah, under a pomegranate tree, which is in Migron. The people who were with him were about 600 men. Jump into verse 6. Then Jonathan said to the young man who bore his armor, Come, let us go over to the garrison of this uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or by few. So his armor-bearer said to him, Do all that is in your heart. Go then, here I am with you, according to your heart. And then the following verses, from verse uh, 8 to verse uh, uh, 14, tells about how uh, uh, Jonathan went in and uh, conquered and overcome even the Philistines, although he was totally outnumbered, two to 250 people, soldiers, and yet he managed to defeat them. How did it all happen? This is a powerful text for each and every one of us. And from here, I'd like to share this morning on trust God and do something. Everybody say, trust God and do something. Trust God and do something. There's a Persian proverb that says, trust in God, but tie your camel. This reveals to us the tension of trusting God. What is God's role and what is my role? Does trusting God means that I do nothing and leave everything to God to do it? Or does trusting God means that I pursue the things that I have to do 
in the, and head in the direction that God wants me to head and believe God to lead me. Trust in God by tie your camel. I think for us, in our context, we will say, trust in God but lock your door. Some of us are in a habit of not locking our house doors when we go out. And then when thieves come in and steal the things, they say, God, why did you allow these kind of things to happen? I trusted in you. I prayed to you that you will uh, cover the entire house and my property with your angels. And now I'm robbed. Thieves broke in. Why? Because you didn't lock your door. Trust in God, but lock your door. Trust in God, but tie your camel. What does trusting God really mean? Trusting God means both letting go and listening. Getting busy and going in the direction that He leads. It means both that we wait on Him for guidance and direction and leadership. And it also means that we get going in the direction that He points us in. And this is the area of tension that many of us face. We thought that trusting God means, well, God, you do it. Everything depends on God. No, trust God and do something. So here we have the battle, the war between Israel and the Philistines. It's called the Battle of Mishmash. And in this battle, the Israelites were totally outnumbered. Saul was able to gather 3,000 soldiers. But the Philistines, they have 3,000 chariots, 6,000 horsemen, and countless numbers of soldiers. And furthermore, in Israel, there were only two swords because all blacksmiths were banned. And the Philistines were smart. If there are no weapons in the hands of Israel, they cannot fight back. And so in the whole land of Israel, there were only two swords because there were no blacksmith to make weapons. Israel was already wiped out from the beginning. One sword was in the hand of Saul. The other sword was in the hand of Jonathan. And what did these two do with their swords? Greatly outnumbered. But here, we have Jonathan breaking out. And then there was confusion and there was... Uh, 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 he defeated these people and then only they saw begin to move in and the enemies were routed. But it did not happen just like that. Trust God and do something. You see, you can't just sit there. Trusting God, we must understand, does not mean you do nothing. What was Saul doing? And Saul was sitting in the outskirts of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree. The people who were with him were about 600 men. What was Saul doing? Sitting there. And the word sit there is interpreted or translated differently. In the King James Version, Saul tarried there. To tarry, to remain, to dwell, to inhabit. And the actual meaning of it is he came out there. It doesn't mean tarry means you tarry upon the Lord. That means you wait upon the Lord, you seek God, you seek His direction. No, he wasn't doing that. 
The high priest was there. There was a Yumin and a Tumin. He could have asked for God's direction. But the tearing there means he just came out there. He just sat under the shade, almost like enjoying life, doing nothing, ignoring the situation. And just camping out there, like just having a camp with his 600 men. The situation was perilous, was dangerous, and yet he was just sitting there doing nothing. So chose to ignore the situation. They did nothing, he and his 600 men. They were just hanging out, just in our Malaysian version, they just left out there, hanging out, left out there under the tree. Can you just imagine? The enemies were gathered there, taunting the armies of Israel, and yet Saul did nothing. Too many of us are just simply sitting around, waiting for God to work, and saying, oh, we trust God to deliver us. Maybe Saul was saying that. We are trusting God to deliver us. And he did nothing. Maybe there was hope that God would do something. You see, we trust God and we do something. We do not just trust God to do something. The doing part is not just God's part. It is our part as well. But Saul was just sitting there. And he was sitting where? In the outskirts of Gibeah. Not where the action was. Under a pomegranate tree. He was just playing safe. He was not in the thick of the battle or in the battlefield even. He was just playing it safe, trying not to lose. You never win on the outskirts of life. If you're just sitting on the outskirts, you'll never win any battle in your life. And so Saul chose to watch the battle. He was just a spectator. He begins to speculate. When news came that, hey, you know, something is happening, Saul began to have a head count. Instead of doing what he ought to do, he began to have a head count and he realized who was missing. And he wondered, can Jonathan really pull it off? And he procrastinates. He did nothing and he procrastinated right in the thick of the action. He procrastinated from taking any action. And even when the battle has turned in the favor of Israel, he hesitated. The enemies were already fleeing, were already running. He hesitates and just called for a meeting. He could have just gone in there for the kill, as they would say. But he hesitated. He was a spectator, sitting, watching. Is that what trusting God is? As they say, there are three kinds of people, not just in the church, but in the world today. Those who make things happen, those who watch things happen, and those who don't know what is happening. Ask the neighbor, which group are you? There are many people who don't know what's happening. There are many people who just watch, but there are those who make things happen. Saul definitely was not one who made things happen. You see, if we do, 
if all that we do is just wait on the right time, on the right conditions, on the right people, or the right atmosphere, then all we will ever do is just sit around under the pomegranate tree, talking, waiting, doing nothing, just hanging out in life. Ecclesiastes 11.4 says, He who regards the wind will never sow, and he that observes the clouds will never reap. Don't wait on the wind. Don't focus on the clouds. And if we wait to do anything, anything for God until we are absolutely sure, 100% sure that it's the right thing, then we will only sit around and miss the many miracles of God. Conditions are never just right. People who delay action until all factors are favorable, they do nothing. Too many churches fail to do what God wants them to do because they overplan, play it safe. They rely on their own strength and resources instead of relying upon God's power and God's plan. Saul seems to have that kind of spirituality, but it was totally absent in his life. Just sitting there under the pomegranate tree. Now, ladies, don't be angry, but I'm just quoting this one from Carolyn McCulley. Men trust God by risking rejection. Women trust God by waiting. True or not? I don't know. All right, this is just a quote. But it can happen to both. Many of us, actually, men and women, we think that we are trusting God by just waiting and doing nothing. That's not the essence of what trusting God really is. You see, many of us are faced with a decision either to do nothing or to do something. In life, you will be constantly faced with a decision either to do nothing or to do something. You see, I believe that God has given us the power of decision. He leave it to us to decide many times what we are going to do without dictating to us how we should do it. We have the power of decision. The problem with many of us is we, we take it all upon ourselves. We begin to make all the decisions apart from God. And that is wrong. That is wrong. But at the same time, God gave us the power of decision. For example, He may tell us, go to Guamusang. There's a word that I want you to do there. And those who are obedient, you immediately go. But there are those who do not understand the meaning of trusting God and obeying God and His direction. So they begin to pray. They begin to wait on God. But God, how shall I go to Guamusang? Shall I walk there? Shall I take a car there? Shall I take a train there? Shall I fly there? Many times God just tells us, go there. And He leaves it to you to decide how you go there. But many times we want to be absolutely sure of everything. 
I mean, we can pray about it and after that decide, yes. But just waiting on God to tell you how you are to get there is sometimes a sign of disobedience because you are doing nothing with it. You get what I mean? You get what I'm trying to say? You see, many of us are faced with a decision either to do nothing or to do something. And it's very easy to do nothing. Very easy to do nothing. No change is ever made by people who do nothing. No conditions are ever improved by people who do nothing. No circumstances are ever altered by people who do nothing. For example, some of you are praying for a life partner. Trusting God for a life partner. Okay, it's good to trust God and pray. But after that, what do you do? You lock yourself in your room and just pray, 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 pray. Hey, nothing will happen. You don't socialize even. You always isolate yourself from others. Will there ever be a chance that God will drop an angel from heaven? God says, open your eyes. When you pray, open your eyes. You don't even attend cell group. You don't even miss with anybody. You are not involved in any ministry. And you're just praying, God, send me somebody. And you do nothing. If you are praying for a life partner, and if there is somebody, all right, if there is somebody that captured your attention and you, thought, and you think that, hey, maybe that is the person God has for me, what do you do? Invite a person out. Go on a group dating. Take that initiative. Don't worry, you will not die. The worst is just you'll be rejected, that's all. <laughs> right? The worst is you'll say no. Some of you may, some of you may be thinking, ha Pastor, you tell us all that. What about yourself? Have I taken the action or not? Am I doing something or not? You want to know? <laughs> for me, at this stage of my life, I'm not looking for anybody anymore, okay? <laughs> but for you, hey, you're trusting God for a life partner. Come on, do something. For example, those who are married, you have a family, you want a good family. A good family does not come by itself. A happy family does not happen automatically. You have to do something to make the marriage work. Both sides. All parties concerned. If you do nothing, in fact, just like anything in life, if you do nothing about it, it will break down. The law of Asia. When, not, when, 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 when something is not moving, it will, you know, uh, uh, many times break down. So to do nothing is very easy. Just like Saul, just sitting under the pomegranate tree. Some people have been praying, praying for a job. You pray, 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 God, I trust you for a job. And all they do is just watching TV. Will the job come to them? No, you have to go out and seek for a job. You cannot be sitting under the pomegranate tree. 
and expect the CEO of a big company, company knocking on your door and say, hey, you know, we are searching for you. You have to make the job applications. You have to go for the interview. You have to prepare yourself for the interview. You have to do something about it as well. But many people think, oh, I trust God for the job. I trust God for my family. I trust God for my life partner. But God, how come nothing is happening? Trusting God does not mean you do nothing. You see, trust is active and positive. Trust is active and positive. There is power in doing something. Recognize that. There is power in doing something. Look at Jonathan. He's different from his father. Verse 1 and verse 6. Jonathan just looked at the situation. Didn't even share with the father. He told the armor bearer, come, let us go over to the camp, to the garrisons of the uncircumcised. Is this foolhardiness? Two persons and only one has a sword have to go over to the garrisons of the enemies and fight the enemies? He says, come, let us go over. We cannot be just sitting around doing nothing. And he took the decisive step. We will cross over. At first, it was just the intention. And when the armor bearer says, do whatever is in your heart, I will follow you. He says, let's go. There is a motivation to do something. He trusted God. And there is a courage to act. Get up and do something. You see, God is going to defeat the Philistines. But He is waiting for someone to choose to move. God is ready to defeat the enemies. But who is going to be the vessel? His instrument. He's waiting for somebody to move. And Jonathan stood up and said, let us go over to the enemy's camp. Jonathan did not wait for anybody else to move so that he could move. So many times we are crowd followers. Whether it be in the, at the traffic light, if there are several lanes, even though the light is green, you look around, hey, is the car moving or not? Is it really green now, you know? If somebody move, and then only we, we move. Jonathan didn't agonize over whether it was God's will for his life to do this. Maybe it's not me. Maybe it's for somebody else. He wasn't the king. He did not intend to be the king. He wasn't immobilized by indecision. He acted completely out of faith, leaving the outcome in God's hands. He did not take inventory of what he has or does not have. 
He did not live. I look at the numbers. Totally outnumbered. No way for them to fight against the enemies. But he did not look at all of these. He was just willing to trust God and do something. Perhaps we focus way too much as Christians on not doing anything wrong. And way too little on doing something right. We are always on the negative side. Oh, what if it is not God's will? What if we fail? Let's not, let's not be in a hurry. We are afraid. We, we, we focus on not doing anything wrong. And as a result, we are immobilized. We become passive. We do not take any necessary action. I'm sure you have heard this. Somebody should do something. Isn't it? We look at the situation in our land. Somebody should do something. We look at the situation in our church, certain situations. Somebody should do something. And sometimes we are angry. We are not happy with what we saw. And we cried out, somebody should do something. I always wondered why somebody didn't do something about that. Then I realized I am that somebody. You are that somebody. Don't grumble or complain. Do something. Don't just criticize because the world, are, the world is full of critics. Do something. You are that somebody. Children sold into slavery. The thought disgusted me. So I shook my fist at heaven and said, God, why don't you do something? And he said, I did. I created you. I created you. Now you go and do something. Injustices in the land, situations that are intolerable, oppressive, Go and do something. Look at the strategy of Jonathan. Interesting. You study his strategy, he'll make you laugh, he'll make you cry. Does he have a strategy? Does he have a plan? Did he call for a strategic meeting and say, come on, let's discuss and let's do this. Let's have this strategy in place. Let's have all our statements correct. Ah, then only we go in. No, he just told the told the told the told the I'm a bearer. Let's go in and kill some Philistines. That's all. How 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 is he going to do that? He got no action plan, but he got action. You hear me? He got no action plan, but he got action. Some some of us we plan 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 plan, and as a at the end of it. We got all the plans, but there is no action. And this is the frustration of most companies and most churches. We are very good in planning, but the implementation, the action part is sorely lacking. Uh, most companies, if not all, and also even our church, got all the plans, but no action. Strategy of Jonathan is very simple. 
let us go up and show ourselves to them. Crazy! If that is called a plan, it is a crazy plan. So let us just go and show ourselves to them. And the dam there is up on the, on the hilltop. And Jonathan and the armies of Israel further behind was on the, on, in the plain. And so, you know that in military, military strategy-wise, uh, uh, you find that those people are on the hill have the advantage. And so Jonathan said, let's climb up to them. You have to climb up to them. Let's just reveal ourselves to them, and if they say, come over to us, then we know that God has given us the victory. What kind of strategy is that? But he has the action. He has the courage. He has the boldness. He trusted in God, and he put feet even to his trust in God. The psalmist says, 140, Psalm 143 verse said, God, I have put my trust in you. Show me the way I should go. Many of us sincerely pray this prayer. Lord, I trust in you. Show me what I should do. But Kevin DeYoung wrote an interesting book. He just said, just do something. A liberating approach to finding God's will. Sometimes, to, you know, uh, in, 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 our, in our mind, trust, you know, to find God's will, we need dreams, we need vision, we need to put out a fleece, we need to have impressions, we need to have open doors, you know, we need to have random Bible verses, you know, casting of lords, you know, and uh, shivering of the body, goosebumps all over, you know, and writing in the sky. We need all these kind of signs and all that. But his approach is different. He just said, just do something and you will discover God's will. I mean, all these things that he mentioned, you know, God can use all these means. But too many times when we depend on just this, you know, we, we, we are immobilized. We are still waiting and waiting and waiting. Now, there, there are times when we really definitely have to wait upon the Lord. And to do... We, I, I, we are, we are not called to do just anything. Alright? We are called to do something. Not just anything. So all this, all this has a place, but sometimes it just requires us to do something. That's all that it requires us to do in order to discover God's will for your life. And if you do nothing, you will not be able to discover the will of the Lord. So many times the first step is just do something. There was fear in the camp of the Israelites. So much so that the Bible does tell us in chapter 13 that many of the, of the, of the people were hiding in the caves. They were hiding in the hole. They dare not come out even. That's why when the Philistines saw Jonathan, they laughed among themselves and said, Oh, the Israelites are now coming out of their holes. They were so afraid. They were outnumbered. And yes, Jonathan was coming out of the hole. He's not going to stay there. And the first step is getting out of the hole that we are in. The hole of depression. 
the whole of darkness, the whole of fear, the whole of inaction. Get out of that hole. Don't let the enemy trick you anymore that you are weak, that you are, that you are not able even to stand. Jonathan came out of that hole. The first step that he took is to come out of that hole. And brothers and sisters, it's time for some of us to come out of that hole of ours. We have been in the darkness too long. We have been in debt for too long. You are living in fear for too long. Get out of that hole. Tell somebody, I'm coming out. Turn to your neighbor and tell somebody, I'm coming out. I am coming out. Yeah, I'm not going to stay in that hole anymore. I am coming out. Remember the story of the four lepers sitting outside the city? They were ostracized. So they have a choice. They have to make a decision. Again, the decision is theirs to make. God will not force that decision on anybody. So they reason among themselves. If we go into the city, we will die because there's famine. If we go into the enemy's camp, we may also die because they will kill us. But which is the better option? To stay here and die also? Do nothing and just wait there and die? So they say, now, come on, let's take the risk. Let's go into the enemy's camp. Perhaps we may find some mercy there. We don't know what to expect, but they went in. You see, God had the blessing waiting for those lepers. The blessings were waiting already. The blessing is not only for the lepers, but for the whole city. Thank God there were four lepers who, who did something. They could have stayed there and died, and the whole city would have been wiped out. But they decided to do something. They went into the enemy's camp, and to their surprise, lo and behold, it was empty. The enemies have fled. In the middle of the night, God sent a confusion among them, and they fled. And, and, and these lepers just took everything, enjoyed all the goodies and all that. But after that, there was a, a, a tinge of guilt coming along uh, uh, into them. Hey, we cannot just enjoy the blessings of God ourselves. Let's go back to the city and tell them the good news. And even when they told the city folks the good news, they did not believe. They sent out and they, and they thought that it was, it was a trap. But they sent out, you know... Uh, uh, <coughs> Some people there to check it out. And true enough, enemies have fled. God had a blessing waiting for us. Are you going to decide to do nothing? Or will you do something? It just took a step of faith. We can stand where we are. We can stay where we are between, this, the, between what is, uh, 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 is called the rock and the hard place. Or we can go forth in victory. And you see this constantly, time after time in the Bible. God's instruction is do it. God told Jonah, do it. Jonah didn't want to do it. Do something today. Do it. Don't procrastinate anymore. But many times we tend to procrastinate. We fail to act now. We hesitate and we procrastinate. Not sure. In the future, 
One day, later, never, tomorrow, perhaps, not yet. But God says, do it now. Now, today is the day of salvation. We tell ourselves next week, we'll do it next week. Yeah, yeah next week. Or next year, I will serve God, not now. Oh, when I prosper, I will give to God. Not now. Next week, next week. We will start it. Just like Pharaoh, when the whole of Egypt was filled with frogs. Can you just imagine? Whole of Egypt was filled with frogs. He called Moses to pray to God to take the frogs away. And Moses asked, when do you want God to get rid of the frogs? And guess what Pharaoh said? Tomorrow. Tomorrow, the whole land is already stinking with frogs. Oh my goodness, Pharaoh, what are you thinking of? He preferred to live with the frogs for another night. He could have just told Moses, do it right now. And the frogs would have been gotten, gotten rid of. Why tomorrow? Why one more night with the frogs? Puzzling. But that's how it is with many Christians. One more night with the frogs. Stinking, messy, unpleasant. But we prefer, Lord, not tomorrow. No, no, not tonight. Tomorrow I will do it. Sounds very common, isn't it? Parents, I'm sure you're so used to it. You ask your children to do something. Three hours later, you went back, it's still not done. When are you going to do it? Mom, later lah. Tomorrow lah. And what do you shout back? Huh? Do it now! Yeah! Coming from a mother. <laughs> do it now! And sometimes God will even have to shout it into us, do it now. Time for action. No more excuses. Oswald Chamber says, trust God and do the next thing. The next thing. You don't have to be super spiritual to do the next thing. What is in front of you? What needs to be done? Elizabeth Elliot talks about the next thing, doing the next thing. Sometimes life is so hard, you can only do the next thing. Whatever that is, just do the next thing and God will meet you there. God will meet you there. He met the lepers there. First Samuel chapter 14, verse 6. This is our key phrase or, or verse here. Many times we focus on the second part of the verse. For nothing can hinder the Lord from saving by many or by few. Oh, I love this verse. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving by few or by many. God can do it. But let's focus on the first part of this verse. It may be that the Lord will work for us. It may be. In the ESV, in the New Living Translation, perhaps the Lord will help us. In the Message Bible, 
maybe God will work for us. And the contemporary English version says, maybe the Lord will help us win this battle. You catch the uncertainty there? It is a maybe. Was Jonathan sure that this is God's will? Maybe God will help us. That's all that he has to go with. And that was enough for him. Filled with uncertainties and perhaps even doubt. He did not take God for granted. He trusted in God. And this action that he's going to do, if God is with him, he will win the battle. If God is not with him, it's certain death. Certain death. And yet, he was willing to go ahead. There is the power of maybe. The power of maybe in our life. Too many times, we want to be absolutely certain, 100%, before we move forward for God or with God. And as a result, we do not take any action. Trusting God to lead us. Still trusting God to lead us while we are sitting under the pomegranate tree. There is a power of maybe. Sometimes all you have got is a maybe. Sometimes all you have got in life is just a perhaps. And we may have to move out on just a maybe from God. You may not be absolutely certain. But as Elizabeth Iliad have said, many times in life it's hard to make a choice. But when you do the next thing, you will find and you will meet God there. And that was what Jonathan did. Maybe, perhaps. Moving out on a maybe is not about senseless action or trusting God to empower our, our every whim and fancy. But there are times when you just have to step out by faith and that means that you will not be sure. To wait until you are sure is not moving by faith. But if you, if you will just move out on a maybe, then God can do an awesome work. Trust God to turn the maybe into a miracle for your life. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Commit your ways totally into His hands and He will direct your path. He will direct your path. The verse from Proverbs has always been the anchor of my life. Sometimes when I don't know what to do, I just commit everything to the Lord. And I may not be 100% sure, maybe this is the way of the Lord, and I do it. And I know that even if I feel, God will still direct my path. He will redirect my path even. The greatest failure is not to do anything. 
move out. Just on a maybe. You have to do something. Don't ask the Lord to guide your footsteps if you are not willing to move your feet. Powerful, isn't it? God, direct my footsteps, but you're not even moving. How to direct? Do something. As Joyce Meyer says, don't wait around waiting for God to do something that He's already given you the power to do. The power is already given. What are we waiting for some more? That's the fallacy of trusting God and doing nothing. So turn to your neighbor and say, trust God and do something. Amen. Trust God and do something. Do what you can. Mark chapter 2, verse 1 to 12, there were again here the story of those four men who carried a crippled man and take him to see Jesus and let him down from the roof. They could have been selfish and just leave the man by himself and go into the house and listen to the famous preacher, Jesus Christ. But no, they forsook that privilege and they took care of this man. They do all that they can and just took him up to the roof and let him down so that Jesus can do the rest. And sometimes that's all that we can do. Do what we can humanly do and trust God for what only He can do. Have faith in God and do not give up. Now without Jesus, the healing will be impossible. But without these four men, the healing will never be possible. We must do what we humanly can do. And God is looking for such people. We pray for the salvation of our loved ones. We pray for our souls to be saved. Pray, pray, pray. But are we doing anything? Easter is coming along. We have a great opportunity. Like this man here, to bring people to Jesus so that He can touch them, so that He can heal them, so that He can give them a hope and a future. Forgive all their past. But somebody must bring these people to Jesus. Trust God to save them. But we have to do something to bring them to Jesus. And I pray that we will. We have to do our best and God will do the rest. Esther and Mordecai, they were in that kind of situation. Esther couldn't do much. Mordecai couldn't do much. It was the king's decision. But they do all that they could do. They even call for a fast. And Esther had to risk her life. She could just be there in the palace and do nothing. And she almost did nothing until her uncle says, God has placed you there for a reason. You think you are saved there by doing nothing? No, your life is also at risk. Do something, Esther. And she did. And as a result, the Jews were safe. She couldn't do much. She did what she could do. And God did the rest. And you know what God did? God gave the king a sleepless night. 
That's how it all started. God gave the king a sleepless night. He woke up in the middle of the night, he went through the annals, and he discovered nothing was done for a man by the name of Mordecai, who had done so much for the country. And then things begin to roll. We do our best, and God will do the rest. Do something. Titus chapter 3, verse 14, do good. 2 Corinthians 12, 10, loosely translated, when you have done everything you can do, that's when God will step in and do what you can't do. <clears throat> the book of James is a practical book that calls on Christians to just do it. As you all know, that is not original, okay? Just do it. But that's what James is all about. It's a very practical book. Those who have faith and do nothing, it says it's a useless faith. If you are not doing anything, go do something. But you may ask, what can I do? What can I do? Maybe to start off, I should do something with my life. You should do something with your life. You don't have to wait like me when you're nearing 60 to think, oh, what should I do with my life? Uh, even when you are young, 30 years old, what? you should consider maybe I should do something with my life. Even 80 years old, you can still think, I want to do something with my life. But many of us have this grandiose idea, yes, I want to do something great for God. Just a grandiose idea. Do something great for God. But it all starts out with small steps. Proverbs 24, 30 to 34. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. It is a little laziness, a little procrastination, a little hesitation, a little complacency that makes you what you are today. A little, a little, a little. But the same token, it is the little things that we intentionally do. A little praying every day. A little reading of His Word each morning. A little sharing of Christ. Then we find that the little things will lead to the great things in life. Don't look here, just want to do great for God. Do the little things. Be faithful in the little things. Do something, no matter how small, just do something. It may, be, it may start off with just a mission trip, but you never know where that will take you. It may be just serving in a kid's church. It may be in the traffic, in the ashes, or in the, in the, in the, in the casting team for, for, for the production of the church. We all have some ability. We all can do something. If you really want to do something, you'll find a way. If you don't want to do something, like your children many times, they will find an excuse. Philippians 4.13, do what you can. And what can you do? He says what? I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. Everybody say, I can do. Yeah, you can do it. 
I can do not just something, but everything, all things. Do what you can. Pray, witness, live for the Lord. The eyes of the Lord are searching the hearts, mind, and spirit of His people to do something, to give something, to share something, to build something, to restore something, to repair something, to renew something, to be something. We have been sitting under the pomegranate tree for far too long. God is searching somebody like Jonathan to arise. Helen Keller says, I cannot do everything. But still, I can do something. A blind person saying that, I can do something. Mother Teresa says, everyone can fly. No, so sorry. It's not everyone can fly. You know, everyone can do something. I purposely put that one in. You're awake, good. Everyone can do something. I think Tony Fernandez must have, you know, uh, got their motto or their phrase from Mother Teresa. Everyone can do something. Isn't that so true? Everyone. Everyone. So trust God and do something. That's the essence of what we are talking about here. The something you need to do, maybe, is just pray. There's something that you can do is witness. Be a witness for the Lord. Share Christ everywhere. There's something that you can do is perhaps love God and love people. Yes, that is our phrase. That is our vision. But what are we doing about it? Do something about it. To demonstrate the love of God. The love for God and the love for people. Otherwise, it remains just a phrase. Matthew 7, 12. Do for others what you would like them to do for you. The golden rule. We come across it so many times. In the Message Bible, it says, Ask yourself what you want people to do for you, then grab the initiative and do it for them. It says what? Grab the initiative and do it for them. Ah, that simplifies things a lot, isn't it? You see, do for others. These are words of action. We take the initiative. Other religions are negative. Don't do, don't, don't do to others what you do not want them to do to you. But Christianity is positive. It's action-filled. Do, poio, to make, to be the author of, to produce, to be the forerunner, to, to be the pioneer of it. To bear fruit. The golden rule is concerned with true love, positive, active behavior and action. We take the initiative and do it. Too many times we forgot about the golden rule. But the initiative is on our part. Do something. Take the risk. My time is up, but let me close with this. Illustration of a young man engaged to a beautiful lady and they want to get married and he wants to move to Europe. He's a writer. He wants to write in different places. 
in Paris, in Amsterdam, and all those things, but they don't have the money. Don't have the money. Don't even have the money to get married. So it was just a dream. So one day he was sitting in a park. And then after that, he just looked up. And there, on the trees, there were quite a number of squirrels. And he saw one squirrel took that leap and jumped from one tree to the other tree. It was quite a gap. And yet, the squirrel took that leap and missed the branch that he was heading for, but landed on the tree somewhere else. And after that, was on the tree. And he watched it with interest. And there was that old, an elderly man, an old man seated on the bench with this young man. And the old man just remarked, you know, it is so strange, this squirrel. I've seen so many of these squirrels. They always take the leap from one tree to another. And many of them miss the branch. And they could have landed on the ground where the dogs are waiting, but they never land on the ground. They somehow landed on other parts of the tree, and then they managed to make off. I said, it's strange. I've seen so many of them, and yet none of them ever got hurt. They may not have landed on the particular branch, but they always land on the tree. And the old man says, I guess that's how it is in life. We have to take the risk and they make that leap. Otherwise, you will always be on the same tree. And the squirrels don't want to be on the same tree all the time. They are looking for fruits. They are looking for, for bigger things. But they have to take the risk. And some of you in your business are just like that. Some of you in your life are just like that. The encouragement to each and every one of us is do something. Take the risk. And after hearing from that old man, this guy decided, oh yeah, I must, I must take the risk. So he scraped whatever money he could, got married, somehow made it to Europe and started you know, writing. And from there, you know, he, uh, he wrote more than he used to and was able you know, to find a comfortable life. And he made it big later on. You never know. Some of you are still waiting for the big things to happen. God is saying, do something. You trust God, do something. And in our church also, let's be the do something church. We can just sit where we are, be happy where we are, come to church, be happy as we are. But church, let's not sit under the pomegranate tree. The enemies are out there. There's a battle to be won. There's a church to be built. The do something church. Do all to the glory of God. Do it for the Lord. Let's pray and say, God, today I will use what I have to do what I can and trust God to do the rest. Trust God and do something. Let's pray.